In the Old Testament, God raised up incredible heroes to accomplish his plan on earth. Oftentimes, they're portrayed as superhuman and near perfect when in reality, they were normal, everyday men and women with strengths and weaknesses just like everyone else. In this series, CMC's pastors will share the stories of these heroes of faith and what we can learn from them as we pursue God's call on our lives. Join lead pastor Tim Brooks as he teaches on Abraham. Turn to Genesis chapter 11 with me and let's just dive into this. Genesis chapter 11, we see the Tower of Babel, the story. Uh, go to chapter 11, just scan with me. Uh, verse 9, God scatters the people all over the world. Verse 10, this is the account of Shem's family. And we read, scan down from verse 10 through 27. We read genealogy. Verse 27, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram. It's the first time we read him. Verse 31 and 32. Terah took, uh, or verse 29, Abram's wife was Sarah. Verse 31 and 32, Terah took his sons, Abram, daughter-in-law Sarah, his grandson Lot, headed for Canaan, but stopped and settled at Haran. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. We pick up in chapter 12, the storyline moves to Abram as the central figure of the history lesson. We're looking here at an approximate date, real close, Abraham's birth of being about 2000 B.C., about 2,000 years before Jesus. The historical account of Abraham starts in chapter 12, verse 1, and it goes through chapter 25, verse 7. It'll say Abraham lived 175 years, verse 8, and he died a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. Let's get started here. Chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. Go to the land that I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. And you will be blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed and Lot went with them. Okay. Abraham departed. He departed for where? Departed. Now, I don't mean he's talking about it, praying about it, thinking. We're talking loaded the donkey, packed the U-Haul, headed down the road, leaning out the window, waving goodbye to everybody. Departed means sayonara, gone, down the road. He departed. Where? Where is he going? Where is his entourage going? At this point, what does he know? Verse 1. A land I'm going to show you. We're going to learn from these Old Testament characters as we study. Our theme for this year is a holy generation. Well, what does that mean? We've been looking at that for the last couple of weeks. What does that mean? What, what, what does that look like, a holy person? Well, what does a holy person look like? We've been talking about how we've gotten off track and it looks like this or it looks like that. And then we've decided, no, that's not what holiness is. 
What can we learn from these Old Testament characters that will show us what a holy, godly life looks like? I can't think of a better place to start than the father of our faith. I can't think of a better place to start than starting with Abraham. All that we believe goes back to Abraham. He's the beginning of this. So, what can we learn? What kind of life pleases God? What kind of life is God well pleased with? What kind of life is a holy life? Well, the first lesson that just glaringly jumps out, the first point of Abraham's life, is when you follow God, when you submit your life, when you come to the place, not my will, but yours be done. When you follow God, it will be a life of faith. It will be a life lived by faith. Your daily walk, your daily life will be a life of following each and every day God's leading. And you won't have all of the answers. When you follow God, you won't be given all of the pieces of the puzzle at one meeting with God. Now, you see, I put myself in this place. I think about this. I picture myself going down the road here. And I've got my wife. I've got my nephew. Verse 5, all the people that he had taken into his household. Who is that? I mean, his whole staff. I mean, he's taking a staff of people. Don't you think those folks are saying, hey, Abe, where are we going? I mean, we're all packed up. We're all dressed up. We're dressed up. Where are we going? Don't you think his staff wanted to have a staff meeting? Don't you think his staff says, you know, he may be getting a little old. We better appoint us a new. Don't you think his staff started, had questions about what's the direction now? Where are we going now? What, what do you see for our future now? Where? Let's go. We're living by faith and we're following God. We're living by faith and we're following God. These folks just signed up to follow God. They signed up to follow God. And when you live by faith and you follow God, don't be shaken by the fact that you don't have all the pieces of your puzzle yet. You young people, don't be shaken the fact that you don't have all the pieces of your puzzle yet. All of you men here from Teen Challenge, don't be shaken that you don't have all the pieces of your puzzle yet. You follow God. You live by faith and you follow God. Now, Abraham departed, verse 4, read this. Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, not knowing any of the details. Now, when we read the Bible, we learn what to do. And it's very interesting to me, we learn what not to do. You know, you won't read many books that are written about heroes that include their mess-ups. I don't know if you know, if you think about this, most of your books about heroes, you know, when somebody passes away and at the funeral, all we talk about is how, what a great person. Nobody said, you know, he was a jerk. Well, nobody ever brings that up. We just immortalize this person. We talk about what a great person he was. It's very interesting to me that the Bible hangs out the dirty laundry. The Bible just going, here's what happened. And you need to know what happened like it happened. And we're not going to sugarcoat any of this. So when you read the Bible, not only do you learn what to do, but you also learn what not to do. 
verse 4. Let's look at this. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with them. Does anybody but me see a problem here? Does anybody but me see a oops? Okay, what were, what, as the Lord instructed, what was God's instructions? Go back to verse 1. Leave your native country and leave who? Oops. Well, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family. Chapter 11, verse 31. Who was Lot? Abraham's father's grandson, that would be Abram's nephew. Oops. Well, Abram did like the Lord said, except not. Did Abraham do exactly what God said? Abraham wasn't perfect. Abraham wasn't perfect. Now, what did God say he was going to do? He's going to bless him going to make him famous, going to be a blessing to the others. All the families of the earth is going to be blessed. Is that what happened? Yeah. That's exactly what happened, didn't it? Here's what I want you to know. A holy life. Well, okay, our church is going to be a holy bunch of holy people. Does that mean we're a bunch of perfect people? Does a holy life say, look at me, I'm perfect? Is that what a holy life looks like? See, Abraham was a a godly man, but here's what I'm telling you. Along the way this year of us pursuing holiness, you're going to make a few mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a few mistakes along the way. But God still does everything he said he's going to do in your life. I want to encourage you guys from Teen Challenge that are with us. You made some mistakes, some big ones. And we're going to talk about this here in Abraham's life. Make some big mistakes. Here's what you need to know. God's will, his plan, and his purpose are without repentance. And everything he planned for you, he still does plan for you. And God's going to complete exactly. Abram fulfilled everything God said, but he had some oops along the way. Now, young people, oh, God will forgive. God's plan is without repentance. Here's what you need to know. Abraham paid a heavy price for his disobedience. Did God fulfill his will and purpose? Yeah, he did. But you're going to pay a heavy, heavy price. Oh, don't worry about messing up. I'll just go out here and blow it this weekend. God will forgive me. Will God forgive you? Yeah, he will. But here's what I want you to see. There's some heavy prices to be paid. Chapter 13, verse 5. Lot was traveling with Abram. Also become very wealthy, flocks, sheep, goats, herds of cattle, many tents. The land couldn't support both Abram and Lot, all their flocks. So disputes broke out between the herds. We got problems. All of this could have been avoided. See, all of your problems in life, those could have been avoided. God planned, that's not God's plan for you. Had you done what God said to do, you wouldn't be here. Now we got a mess. Now we got Abraham's uh, staff, and they're fighting with Lot's staff, and here we got a bit. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, look, let's just, we, we can't deal with this conflict. We can't go on. We can't do this. You just pick, if you pick the right, I'll take the left. If you pick the left, I'll take the right. You, you just decide where you're going to go. 
guess where Lot picked? Lot picked the fertile land. He picked the good land and left Abram the desert. Once again, did Abram do what God said? Well, we had a little oops, and now here we are. Well, let's read on. Chapter 14, verse 14. Oh, dear Lord, my nephew's done got himself captured. Now, I'm going to have to gather all of my guys. We're going to have to go down here, and we're going to have to whip some people. A lot of folks are going to get cut. A lot of folks are going to get shot. Lord, go down here, have to rescue Lot, get, all, get Lot, get all of his possessions, bring them back, clean the kid up, get him back to the good fertile land that he chose before I meander back over to my... Day. See, all of this could have been avoided. Now, you, you're going to go out here and do what God said not to do. Here's what I want you to know. God will forgive you. God still has a plan for you. But it's going to cost you. You need to pay attention. What well, doesn't end there? Chapter 18. God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That just happens to be where Lot living. So, chapter 18, verse 22. God, uh, Abraham starts negotiating with God. Look, don't kill all the people down there, God. Well, see, Lot's down there. So he's trying to save Lot's stinking neck. Okay, look, God, if you find 50 people, God said, I want to do it for 50. I'll let them live. Uh, okay, what about 45? If we find 45 good people down there, okay. Uh, then what about 40? Well, what about 30? Uh, what if we find 10? If you can find 10 good people, I won't just, uh, I better run and get Lot out of there. So the angels pull Lot out, uh, and, and then it just gets worse. You read chapter 19. Then Lot's two daughters. They're afraid they're not going to get married. We won't have any kids. Now we're going to do. We don't have any kids. So Lot's two daughters, where should Lot be? He should have been left back there where God said to leave him. But no, we got him down here. So we read Lot's two daughters get Lot drunk. Then they become pregnant by their father. In chapter 19, verse 31 through 38, the two daughters have two sons. Look at this. The Moabites and the Ammonites. We don't ever read the end of the trouble they cause. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the problems all the way through the Old Testament of the, of the life. The, I mean, the, the heathen, the heathenistic. I could just go in and on and on and on talking about all the Moabites and the Ammonites and what they did, the trouble they caused. They were continue at war with God's people and all of this could have been avoided. Our point here is, yes, God will still do what he said he would do. But here's what I want you to know. Your sin is not without cost to you and all those around you. All right, chapter 12, verse 1. Let's go back. Chapter 12, verse 1. God says, Abram, leave your relatives and go. Abraham took his nephew. The cost was great. God's plan still doesn't change. You read on. Chapter 12. Abram and Sarah travel to Egypt. Here comes fear. Look, we're trusting God. You don't live by... Anytime you let fear make a decision, you're in trouble. Anytime you let fear start guiding your decisions, you're in trouble. Out of fear, Abram tells his wife to lie. 
say, look, tell them you're my sister. They'll kill me if they think you're my wife because they're going to want you and they'll kill me to get you. Look here at chapter 12, verse 7, verse 17. So, here, I'm his sister. Oh, great. So, Pharaoh uh, uh, takes Sarah into his household, verse 17. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because Sarah, Abraham's wife. Here's what I want you to see. Pharaoh and his household didn't do nothing wrong. And terrible plagues are all on them. Here's what I want you to know. Your disobedience hurts innocent people. You need to know that. Oh, God will forgive me. I'm just going out and having me a big time this weekend. God will forgive me. God. Your disobedience hurts a lot of innocent people that didn't do nothing wrong. And now they are devastated because of your nonsense. None of this was necessary here. What does a holy life look like? Well, clearly it's not one that's perfect. So this year, as we're talking about becoming a holy generation, we're going to be a holy generation. I want this church to be known as holy people. I want you to know we're not a bunch of folks saying we're perfect. We're not a bunch of people patting ourselves on the back and saying that we are perfect. We've never made a mistake. What does a holy life look like? It looks like someone who leaves an old life behind and walks out to a new life following God. That's what a holy life looks like. Not perfect, makes mistakes along the way, but it looks like somebody who has left an old life, left everything I was doing, everything I was about, and I'm all about something different. I'm following God. That's what a holy life looks like. What does a holy life look like? Chapter 14. Chapter 14. Abram experienced a great victory in battle. He recovered some goods. The first thing that he did, look in verse 18. First thing that he did, Abram went to the king and the priest of Salem, Melchizedek. Now, I, I, I can't stop and go back into this. If y'all were here a couple of months ago, we were going through Hebrews, and I spent a couple hours, I think, teaching on Melchizedek, the order, what all that meant, the examples that he is, the type and shadow he is of Jesus, and all that. There's a lot, there's a mouthful right here in this one sentence. We can't talk about that. We're talking about Abram. Verse 20, Abram paid his tithe. The word tithe, the word tithe itself means 10%. If you make $20, you can't tithe a dollar. You got that? Tithe means 10%. So, the first thing that Melchizedek did is he paid his tithe. A holy life, what's it look like? We're trying to find that out this year. What's a holy look, life look like? One, it'll follow God. One, it's not perfect, but it's one that doesn't find itself robbing God either. I may not be perfect, but I'm not going to rob God. I'm not going to rob God. A holy life makes giving a priority. And that was a priority for Abram. Chapter 15. God cut covenant with Abram, and he promised Abram descendants. Verse 6. 
Abraham, or Abram, still at this point before his name was changed, believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord. What's a holy life look like? It believes God's word. It believes God. Here's what God said, and Abram believed it. What's a holy life look like? It's one who's not questioning God, not having a problem with what God said. It just, it believes God's word. A holy life looks like a person that believes God's word. A holy life is in covenant with God, and he believes God's word. All right, chapter 16. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Okay. Now, just a quick little history lesson here before you start making a judgment on what just happened. Now, let me remind you, this is before Jesus. Is everybody with me? Let me remind you, this is before the Ten Commandments. Let me remind you, Abram and Sarah are not living in 21st century Christianity. We're building to that point. We're developing God's will and his morals and his standard for life. That is being developed at this point. So this is before the Ten Commandments come about. History. The custom of the day was a contract between a man and a woman. The man made a contract. I will protect you and I will provide for you. Those were two vital things for a woman at this day and time. She had to be protected and she had to be provided for. The woman's contract says, I will give children to my husband. That was her part of the contract. So the fact that Sarah is barren here is no small issue. You know, we've got women today that choose not to have children. This is not a small issue. This is the essential part of their covenant that caused them to be married. So this was not just a deal. This was a big deal. Now, in this period of history, in the marriage contract, it stated, if she cannot produce children for herself, she would provide children for her husband through her handmaid. And so we are operating under a contract of marriage right here. We're not operating under, oh, no, I can't believe she did that. This was the way it had to happen, and, they, and we knew this was what was going to happen before they got married. If you can't provide me children, then you have to provide a handmaiden to have me children. So not, not, not any of this was the wrong thing here. This was what had to happen. All right, verse 4, 5 and 6, Sarah gets jealous. I'm I'm not going to preach on this, but I do want to read this. Verse 16, chapter 5. All right, whose idea was this? Sarah, okay. Chapter 16, verse 5. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I'm not going to go into that right now. I'm just going to move on. But if I was going to go into it, and if I was going to say... If that isn't a woman 4,000 years ago, it's one exactly today. It's my fault, and I, did, I wasn't even in the house when that happened. But it's my fault that that fell off, or that broke, or the light bulb went out, or the car didn't start, or it's your... 
I'm not going to preach on that. But I'm just reading scripture here. Your fault. Okay, now, what Abraham and Sarah did was not illegal, nor was it immoral for this day. The problem with what they did was not what they did. The problem with what they did is they left faith. That's where we messed up. We left faith. We left following God. We left seeking God and doing what God said. We left trusting God to, I'll just make a living. I'll just do this on my own. And what she did was legal. What Abraham did was legal. But the problem was they got out of covenant with God. They started doing their own thing. They let me. See, look here. God, you told me this. Now I don't believe you're strong enough to handle it. So I'm going to have to make it happen for you. See, God, I get your promises. I get your provisions. I believe your word. But now all of a sudden I don't believe you're big enough to do what you said you're going to do, so I'm going to have to step in here, and I'm going to have to make this happen on my own. You see this every day. You see it every day. God said he's going to give you peace that passes all understanding. God said he's going to give you joy. God said he's going to give you life and life more abundant. You go through a little rough time. Things don't look like that's going to happen for you, so let me just go out here and get me some dope. Get my own peace. God's not going to come through. Here, let me just go out here and get drunk and stay drunk. I'll just see. God's not going to give me life and life abundant. So let me just live drunk for the next twenty years. See, God's not going to bless me and give me life and life more abundant. So I've just got to go out here and get me a. I mean, we see this every day. I'll figure out how to do this on my own. I will handle this. I, I see God's promises. But he is not big enough to give them to me, so I'm going to have to make it happen for me. The problem is we've got to live by faith. You have to live by faith. And we do for a while, but all of us have the tendency to roll up our sleeves and try to make God's promises happen on our own instead of waiting on God's timing. Waiting on God's timing. He said he's going to give you a son, and that's what he meant. Now, you need to wait on his timing. Now, you need to wait on his timing. Now, this jealousy, chapter 16, verse 4, 5, and 6, that was unnecessary. That was unnecessary on Sarah's part. The contract says a woman is barren. She gives a child to her husband through her handmaid. The contract then says, if the woman then becomes pregnant and has a child, the child by the handmaid will be a servant to her child. That's in the contract. There was not a problem here. But we had to get out of God's will. We had to make things happen on our own. Then we had to let jealousy come in. Then we had to get upset. Then we had to get mad. And then we got a woman blaming her husband for all of it. When you follow God... When you follow God, you can't, you can't get out of God's will and plan for your life. You can't, it's somewhere along the way, decide God can't make this happen. You're going to have to step in. That's just not what you do. Or you're going to have problems. 
chapter 25, verse 12 through 18, tells us Hagar's son Ishmael and his descendants. Look there what it says. They lived in open hostility toward all of their relatives. You see that? They lived in open hostility toward all of their relatives. And it continues today. That's what we see every time you turn on the news. You see Isaac and Ishmael's descendants. And you read it right here. Here's where it took place. The hatred in the Middle East toward Israel is the hatred that came from right here in this chapter. That's where it started. And that, it, we've got people being born over there every day with a born-in hate to the Jewish nation, and they never did anything to them. Why do, why do you feel that way? Why are you there? You can read it right here. You can read it right here. Now, once again, our lack of faith, our not following and trusting God does not stop God from his plan, but it does cause us immeasurable hurt, all those around us hurt, and often generations to come. Still pay a heavy price. Still pay a heavy price 4,000 years later. We're paying a heavy price for this story right here. God pr promised Abraham, Sarah, a son. That's what's going to happen. Verse 21 Isaac is born. Ch I mean, chapter 21, Isaac is born. Here we go. The Lord kept his word, did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. When Isaac grew up, was about to be weaned. Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. You, just, you continue to read on about uh, uh, Isaac and his life. Y'all know the story, and I've, I've got to hurry. Y'all, the story is Abraham in chapter 22. Abraham wakes up the next morning, saddles his donkey, takes along his son. Take your son, yes, your only son, the one you love so much, and go up the mountains. And here's what I'm going to show you. Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. He carried the fire. He carried the knife. They go up there. Aram lays his son on the altar, gets the knife up to kill his son. And there's a lot we could talk about right here. A whole lot we could talk about right here. Chapter 22, verse 1 through 18. I could talk about Mount Moriah. The place where they are right now is the place in Jerusalem where the temple would be built on this location. There are a lot of types and shadows in here about Jesus, Abraham, a picture of God, God providing a lamb, God has to save the world through the son, but the son must die. I mean, it, there, a lot we could teach on in here, and I wish I could, but I can't because I'm talking about Abraham right now, and I got to stick to the story. But if I was a rabbit trail preacher, there's a whole lot we could talk about, about pictures and God revealing Jesus and the plan of salvation. All that's revealed right here. What we're talking about right now is a study of Abraham and lessons from his life. So I've got to stay with this. Here we go. Abraham's life teaches us. If Isaac 
were killed. All of the promises that God had made to Abraham would be of no value. You understand that? Yet, Abraham is willing to go through it. A holy life looks like this. You trust God. You live by faith. And you're not living by nor trusting in God's blessings. Too often... People come to God, not for who he is, but for what he can do. Too often people follow God, not for who he is, but for his promises. Who wouldn't follow God? He shows you, I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna bless. You're childless. You don't, you're getting old and you don't have a kid. And I'm going to give you a kid and you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all those who... Bless you, and I'm going to curse all those who curse you, and my goodness. And then, then Isaac is born, and here is everything about your life. It's real easy to begin to worship the promise instead of the one who gave the promise. It's very easy in your life. I'm going to do some good things in your life. Boy, and you, here you go, and you start getting things, and hey, you got a house, and you, you, you know, and you got a car, and you got a little money in your pocket, and it's very easy along the way to start looking to the promises instead of the promisor. See, it's a lot, it, it, it gets easy to trust in what God said he would do for you instead of God himself. And we got to make sure that Abram is following God and not just following his blessings. God wants to know, are my blessings more important to you than me and my word to you. In this study, we're going to study some of the Old Testament characters. And we're going to be looking for what does a holy life look like. God's called us to be holy. That's our theme for this year. Well, what does that look like? Some great insight given to us here in this first lesson as we look at Abraham. Sure, there's a whole lot more that we could talk about if we had a lot of time. But let me quickly. A holy life. You follow God. Even if you don't have all the answers, you follow God and you trust him. A holy life looks like even when you're not perfect, when your flesh takes over, and sometimes it does, don't quit, don't go back, but just keep following God. Keep going in the direction that God has for you, even when you make a mistake. What's a holy life look like? It's one that doesn't look to God's promises more than you look to God himself. Don't live by what God can do for you. Live for who God is. And the biggest thing that we can learn from Abraham's life is in chapter 25, verse 8. And he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. That's blessed. That's blessed. You know, I've known lots of very wealthy people, and they weren't satisfied. There was a longing on the inside of them. They didn't live a satisfied life. I've known some very famous people, and they didn't have a satisfied life. So being rich and famous doesn't make a satisfied life. A holy life is what brings you joy, the joy that you're looking for. Abraham's wealth and Abraham's fame didn't bring him a long satisfied life it was his relationship with the Lord that brought a satisfaction to his life not perfect but following God daily Abraham died 
having lived a long and satisfied life, and you can't get any better than that. Y'all stand. Read Genesis chapter 37, verse 50. Chapter 37, verse 50, that's your assignment for next week. We're going to talk about Joseph. I'm looking forward to this study. Father God, tonight, we're so grateful to you as you reveal your plan and your truth to us. Lord, we learn from your word and we learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Christian Ministries Church weekly podcast. Join us next week in our Heroes of Faith series as we minister on Joseph.